Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. And we return to Our American Stories. And up next, a story from Pete Kors on Adolf Kors. Take it away, Pete. Well, so uh, Adolf was born somewhere in the 1840s in a little place called Barmanon Wuppertal in Germany. And kind of an interesting story. People say the C-O-O-R-S uh, name is, is kind of unusual for, for a German name. His birth certificate, he was signed in as Coors K-O-R-S, which is very German. And his father actually signed K-O-H-R-S. And by the time his sister was born, about uh, eight or 10 years later, there was a Dutch magistrate who brought the double O from, uh, from their language and it became C-O-O-R-S. His father was a flour miller, and died uh, when he was 10. He had been apprenticed three times in order to survive. 
once as a uh, flour miller with his father's trade, once as a uh, printer bookbinder. And those are three years indentureships, which as I understand in those days, that meant you got room and board and that's about it. And then the third one in brewing. We don't know the details of how or why he decided to leave Germany. He was always very proud of his German heritage. But he stowed away on a ship, landed in Baltimore, had no papers, had no money, had no, uh, was able to work off his passage. As soon as he did, he started working his way across the country. And I guess it's a, you know, a typical great American story of coming to a land of, of opportunity and freedom, but uh, with no safety nets. I mean, it, you came here, you were on your own. As so many pioneers did after this country became free from the monarchical rule of England. And he <laughs> worked on the Erie Barge Canal, as we understand it. He worked at a brewery in Naperville, Illinois, the Stenger Brewery, became general manager of the brewery there, uh, left, came further west, ended up in Denver, started a business importing cask wine from California and taking it by pack horse up to the mining towns at, between Idaho Springs, Georgetown, Central City, Blackhawk, and selling them, and that's how he made a living. And then I guess some of his German friends uh, in Denver said, well, you know how to brew beer. We, we could use a good brewery. Joined up with a financial partner. I think he invested about $10,000 in uh, 11 acres in Golden, Colorado, where he had found a source of spring water. The brewery was incorporated in 1873, three years before Colorado statehood. Uh, his partner lasted about eight years and decided the beer business wasn't going anywhere. And Adolf uh, turned into a sole proprietorship and he really had no formal education, but he had, he had a practical education. And I think that was probably true for most immigrants at that time. They came uh, with their skills, with their ability to do hard labor. And it wasn't easy, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy. And as I look at some of the pictures that we have in the archives of the brewery workers uh, sitting around the tanks and the kegs, it's pretty obvious that they were a pretty rough crew. You know, he, he, he struggled, but the, the business was growing. In those days, there were over 20 breweries in Colorado. Most of the mining towns had uh, their own breweries. We would, we would equate to craft breweries today, uh, boutique breweries. If you hike throughout Colorado and pay attention, a lot of these old abandoned uh, mining towns and mining uh, areas, you'll find hops growing, uh, hops growing wild. And he literally started by, you know, hauling beer by pack horse. And then he began to buy properties. And pre-prohibition, you sold beer by having, uh, like craft breweries doing today, by having saloons and, and bars. We have a Listen, actually 19, I think the first year of taxes were 1915. And he did a full accounting of all his properties in Denver and in Southern Colorado and around the region. Prohibition changed all that and brewers could no longer own retail liquor saloons and bars. Another interesting story about Adolf. He needed to double the capacity of his brewery because they were doing quite well and growing. And, I believe it was 1884, I don't, can't remember for sure the date. He had just completed the new facilities and a flood came down Clear Creek and wiped out his new brewery. 
And he had borrowed money from the banks in Denver to build that. And of course, beer sales primarily grow in the summertime. And so here is brewery in the spring has wiped out all of his inventory. Went back to the banks and said, look, uh, if you'll double down, I'll rebuild and I'll pay it off. And he did, but he never borrowed another dime. He decided that, uh, that that was not a good way to proceed. So really the company didn't ever borrow money until about the late 1880s. We'd been growing and we needed the additional capital to, to expand the brewery. So. People often ask, why in the world in the 60s and 70s when the company was growing so fast, were you only in 11 states? And the simple answer is we were, every dime that we had was invested back into the company because we had no debt. We couldn't borrow money to grow any faster. So that's uh, in the mid 70s when uh, competition from the east, particularly Anheuser-Busch came more west, we began to expand our territory and uh, people used to say it had something to do with quality and, and to a certain degree it did. We, in 11 states we could have pretty good control of quality. But the real reason is we needed to, in order to become a competitor with the big guys and keep them from burying us, we expanded territory. The rest I guess as they say is history. A couple of funny stories uh, after Prohibition. Back in those days, uh, a banquet was a big deal. You didn't have fast foods restaurants. You didn't have people on there, you know, going out to clubs. And I mean, if you had a banquet, that was a big deal. And my grandfather said to the, we had no marketing department per se in those days. He said, said well, uh, I think we ought to well, this is this is a beer that's good enough for a banquet, and so that's where banquet came from. And the other another funny story, you know, now we have the Coors Banquet has the stubby bottles, and it's a it's a retro. It goes back to the early days after Prohibition when we had stubby bottles. And I asked my uncle one time. I don't know if this is a true story or not. I asked my uncle one time, why did we why did we go to Longnecks? And he said, well, he said. <laughs> The cowboys, when they go dancing, would like to would put their bottles in their back pocket so they could dance, and the beer would slosh out. And so that's why Longnecks got started. Now I don't know if that's true, accurate, or not, but that's that's why everybody went everybody went to Longnecks and stub. Everybody had pretty much had stubbies back in the early days after Prohibition. <laughs> so uh, now we've gone back to the. I guess they put their beers down when they go dance. I don't know, but anyway. And a special thanks to Monty and to Alex for the storytelling and putting that story together so beautifully. And a special thanks to Pete Coors and what a story he had to tell about Adolf Coors. Born in Germany, he became an apprentice and even talked about indentureships. This is back when young people would work for room and board. And that was it. And my goodness, by 1873, having come to America, moved all the way out to the West and learned not by formal education, but by practical education, that is experience, forged and formed a company that was incorporated in 1873, three years before Colorado was even a state. And all these years later, this family business, well, it's still a family business. And that doesn't happen often. The story of Adolph Coors and Coors Brewing Company, as told, 
by Pete Coors here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P.com.